Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. A podcast where we watch all the shows we missed the first time around. And try to figure out where the heck they were going with this. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of Pilot House. We don't exactly know what we're going to call these yet, but we hope that these will be a regular sort of in-between feature around our regular episodes. What's happened is Sarah Shea has watched the entire first and most of the second season of one of the shows we covered in a previous episode, and she is now going to tell me all about it. We've thought about calling these episodes catch-up episodes because we're getting caught up and also because ketchup is like an informal food that you know it's not really food it's a condiment <laughs> so, it's it's something you add it's a little extra something yeah so that's kind of the and idea it's not real fancy but we're not married to the idea so if you have a better idea for what we should call these uh at us and let us know all right also on one of these episodes we're actually going to be recording to a timer so sarah shay <laughs> You have 26 minutes to tell me all about all of your feelings about seasons one and two-ish of NCIS, starting now. I have so many feelings. I, I think the first thing, the most important thing that I have to talk about is Dinozo. Which Who, one is Dinozo? Remind me. Dinozo is the one we referred to as Blondie in our entire episode about it because we did not catch his name once in the whole episode and he has like no character in the pilot right right like his his only character trait in the pilot is he's like we refer to him as being a bit of a young hot shot and he he's got a few tiny character notes one is he's a bit sexist because he does the bit about the 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 swimsuit model on the magazine right and then he his only other real character note is that he has a nice rapport with abby Uh uh-huh and it's like once they got to the actual show they were like which of these two character notes should we spin out into a full character let's just let's just lean in on him being sexist and horrible i said in our in our in our podcast about it, I said I'm sure he develops more of a character later, and he doesn't. He doesn't. He is the most one note character. I'm talking. I'm in the middle of the second season, and he's still Past just that guy. Yeah, he is a he's a womanizer. He's sexist, and he's kind of lazy and not very good at his job. And so no one really likes him either. Like Gibbs doesn't seem to like him very much. It's, there's no like character note where you find out that like. He was an orphan or something. Like, something about... There's no, like, explanation as to why he's a bag of shit. The only character, like, background information we get, Uh which I don't think we get until the second season, is that he was actually raised by very wealthy parents. He was brought up very, very wealthy, and at some point his parents cut him off because he was a layabout. (laughs) And he wasted all the money. He's completely cut off, and he misses it. his own parents don't like him. Yeah. Like, there was a part where he... He almost has, like, a moment. He seems to be, like, being real with Todd for a minute about, like, how he's been completely cut off from the lifestyle he used to know or whatever. Uh And, like, but also it wasn't all easy, you know, being rich isn't that, isn't, you know, perfect. Money doesn't solve all your problems. He almost seems to be having a real moment, even though it's kind of a bullshit thing. And Todd's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he goes... Well, yeah, because I miss it. It was amazing. Having money was the best, and I miss it every day. And it's like, oh, no, he's just hes just totally a garbage human. He's he terrible. Needs, he the needs whole... to go have a pool party with the kid from, from Degrassi next class. What is yeah, that guy's name? He's Miles, grown up. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> except straight, except aggressively straight. 
But like aggressively straight could, could uh, you know, that could mean something. He's just this garbage. Is, this and is my headcanon now. It's I'm sad sorry. to me because his rapport with Abby was kind of one of the things I liked in the pilot. Yeah. They, I was hoping it would spin out into like a kind of a sibling relationship. Yeah. And honestly, Abby has that kind of relationship with everyone else on the show but Dinozo almost. <laughs> She's everyone's kid's sister except Dinozo. And, oh. and except McGee. But we'll get to McGee in a minute. McGee come, is a new character that comes oh. later. But anyway, yeah, it's... His entire job in the pilot is, like, to do sketches and photos. Uh-huh. You think that's his expertise? Right. Like, he's, nope. like, the, the documentarian nope. guy. Um, the Doing photos and sketches is an afterthought on the regular show. When they show up at a crime scene, Gibbs will regularly tell either Dinozo or Todd photos and sketches. He'll just announce, someone do this. It's almost never an important part of the episode. It's He's just a womanizer and a garbage human, and he acts like a child, and he brings Todd down with him. That's the worst part. <laughs> Todd was actually kind of almost an interesting character. Like she didn't have, mu- you know. Yeah, but she's that could have gone somewhere. You yep. could have. Nope. She's the Dinozo drags her down with him. They they uh, squabble like uh, like children, and they act like you know like like Gibbs is their dad, and they're like trying to get his approval while simultaneously being he started it. Yeah, he, horrible. They're both pretty bad. So anyway. you don't ship the two of them? No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, oh, and at least the show doesn't either. Thank God. They occasionally tease each other in a way that almost feels like they're yeah. trying to do sexual tension, but the show doesn't lean into it. At least there's that. There, There's one good character moment for Dinozo. Um, and I can no longer see the timer because your, your phone fell asleep. So I was it. trying to check and make sure how, on, how I'm doing on time. There's been one good character moment for Dinozo, and uh-huh. it was in episode seven of season one. So it was very early on. It's like they hadn't figured out what they were going to do with him, and then they they threw this away and went, no, nah, let's just lean into him being garbage, which is, uh, he's talking to Abby about a male one-off character from the episode, describing the character while Abby is doing some science, and Abby, not actually paying attention to what he's saying, says, bye, because she's actually talking about something related to what she's discovered. Right. But Dinoza looks thoughtful and goes, no, I don't think so. <laughs> just, it's, it's a dumb joke because it doesn't make sense for her to have said. Then she goes, no, I mean, this thing, it's by Valve or something. Like for her to shout by makes no sense. But Dinoza's reaction to it was delightful, Very, but yeah. out of character. For the rest of the show, the, the Dinoza of the rest of the show, I would expect more to be like, ew, no. Or like, oh, what are you saying? Or something like that. I don't know. To react poorly. Anyway. Um... I'm trying. I made notes. I re-listened to our podcast on it and made notes about what we had talked about. Um, do you have any questions before I launch into another topic? D- no, no. This is this is so entertaining <laughs> to me. I hope it is to the listeners at home as well. Please carry on. So, um, I posted a few times on Twitter as I was watching uh, uh-huh. the first season, which, which I was calling uh, "How Ducky Is Ducky." watch 2018 right. trying to figure out uh, if our headcanon of the pilot that ducky was gay was yeah. uh, would come to fruition and in the first season there are zero lines of dialogue that support ducky being interested in women and two lines of dialogue that support ducky being into dudes and then later in the second season he actually has an interest in a lady and takes her out on a date so headcanon ducky is bisexual it's 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 almost canon in the show i mean if yeah. I, I, I want to, and I want to describe the two two lines of dialogue to support this. To say I'm not reading a lot into this. This is pretty blatant. No, give it, hit me. Hit and me. they're both interactions with Abby, which is great because I want to go into Abby in a minute. But um, 
uh, oh, Abby is uh, working on a facial reconstruction uh-huh. for a victim whose face was like messed up. And she says something about her, her reconstruction. She goes like, ooh, this guy's going to be a hottie. He's got a strong jawline. And Ducky leans over and goes, yes, a bit like Cary Grant. <laughs> doesn't get my, it doesn't get a lot more gay than that. No. And even more, there's another episode where they, they're going through um, a, uh, a victim's laptop uh-huh. looking for clues about what he, it's a terrorist episode there's so many terrorist episodes right. you know you, you said in our in our podcast about it it's al-qaeda 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 yeah. they do that a lot the show talks they're just like al-qaeda al-qaeda yeah. al-qaida. it's yeah so it's, al-qaeda it's, are like the recurring villains <laughs> yeah kind of the big bad luckily they don't make too much of it but um there's so there's an episode where she's looking at files on his computer and she's like he scrubbed his laptop of a bunch of stuff. All that's left here is a bunch of porn. But she says, it's weird. She's looking at these porn. They're just images, not video. Yeah. And she's going, the file is too big. What and, and she ends up finding out is that information oh, is encoded, right. yeah. hidden in the file. But she goes, there's something wrong with these pictures. The files are too big. Ducky leans over and goes, not only the file size. And then he makes a noise, which I cannot recreate. But let me assure you, it's extremely gay. It's, it's, the best I could go is kind of, mm. Mm. it's, it's an, mm. it's an, mm sound. It's a very thoughtful sort of, well now, sort of noise. So I don't think, I think you guys will agree. I'm not like reading a lot into this. That's, those are, those are pretty gay comments. Um, yeah. So that was pretty delightful. Uh, we don't get too much more of, we never get to see him go on a date except that one episode. Um, right. But, uh. Yeah, uh, I, I accept that it is a bisexual ducky is basically canon. So, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, me too. I, I believe actually when you heard one of those lines, you texted me. <laughs> like you're like number of lines supporting ducky being straight zero. Number of lines supporting ducky being gay two. Yeah, I tweeted you it. We're keeping as well. score. Oh yeah, absolutely. And honestly, that's about it. Uh, and the scene, he doesn't talk about. He never references an ex-girlfriend or an ex-wife right. or anything. He never talks about relationships from his past. And Ducky talks a lot. This is a character trait that's not really established in the pilot, right. which is that he talks a lot and he talks to the bodies, which is actually kind of it's creepy at first, and then it becomes kind of cute because he talks to them. He addresses them. Right. And at first it seems a bit creepy, and then someone calls him on it, and he goes, there's still people. And I'm like, oh, that's actually really, it's kind of sweet. Yeah, Ducky is the best. And that's one of the weird things about this show. The two characters in the pilot that are the most, like, caricature-ish, uh-huh. Ducky, the whimsical old British man with a bow tie and a silly nickname, and Abby, the his crazy goth hacker science kid character right they are the most fleshed out interesting characters on the show when when all is said and done abby it's mentioned very early in the first season that she was raised in a she's the only hearing person in a deaf family her parents i think in the later established one of her sisters are all Uh deaf so she uh, signs and it's not part of the plot of the episode that's the best part Backstory stuff like that, usually they bring it up only because it would be convenient to the plot. Right. This, it's totally random. She's in like a room with a a big window and Gibbs and somebody else walk up and she starts signing to Gibbs and Gibbs signs back. And like Todd goes like, oh, I didn't know that you you and Abby both signed. And he goes, oh yeah, her parents are deaf. It's not related to the episode at all. And and it's never a plot point. Right. There's never a scene where Gibbs and Abby are across a room and they need to convey information to each other. It just comes up in the episodes randomly. And that's so freaking cute. Anyway, I need to move on. 
Abby is freaking great, though. I love her so much. She's one of the best parts of the show. Abby and Ducky are the best. Um, oh, also, in regards to Gibbs uh-huh. not being foxy enough for me, I've kind of warmed up a little. Uh-huh. My sister also reminded me that Mark Harmon, who plays Gibbs, was a bit of a heartthrob in the 80s and, in fact, was the romantic lead in the first R-rated movie that I ever saw as a young child that my babysitter let me watch, which is called Stealing Home. Mm. Uh, Jodie Foster is also in it. Uh, I have not seen it since then, but uh, as soon as I remembered what he looked like when he was younger, I was like, okay, all right. And there is a scene in season two where he Uh goes on a date with a lady and they are shown full on making out. Not going to lie, it was a little bit hot. Little, well, all right. A bit hot. Speaking of Gibbs and ladies, the the lady in the convertible at the end of the pilot. Yes. Is she factor into things later? This is very interesting because she doesn't come back for a while, and then she shows up also in the sports car, also picking Gibbs up at the end of an episode, and then a few episodes later, she shows up again, same thing, picking him up from somewhere, and then Dinojo comments on it. He says something to Todd about, what is with this red-headed lady yeah. who picks him up? I think he mentions that Gibbs has several ex-wives that's established in the show. And he goes, they're mostly redheads. So is that woman who picks him up does sometimes. Do you know who she is? And Todd's like, no, I'm really curious. And I'm like, so am I. It's interesting to have them address it too. Right. And then she shows up a few more times. I want to say four or five times maybe in the first season. Uh-huh. Usually picking him up in her sports car. But there's one time when Gibbs gets called. He's in his basement working on his wooden boat. Which he continues to work on. It does not seem to have made any real progress. <laughs> it's a slow progress. It's, it's a slow process. Right, right. Um, she's there. Mm-hmm. He gets called and he's like, all right, I'll be there in a minute. And he looks over at her and she's like reading a magazine or newspaper or something. And he goes like, he says something to her. She has no lines, right? Right. But they never establish him dating anyone else or flirting with anyone else or asking anyone else out. It's just this one lady, right? Uh-huh. Then all of a sudden there's this episode where he asks out a one-off character from the episode and they end up making out on leaning against his wooden boat, no less. It's a little bit hot, I'm not so going to lie. the mysterious redhead has not yet been addressed by the middle of season two. She's either, they were working up to something and then that actress like fucked off and they, they decided to get rid of it, uh-huh. or they're playing a very deep game here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they had the brass to, to play a deep game because Jag ran for like, 15 seasons and then spun off NCIS. So they felt like they had some runway or something. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. It's very weird. A a show does not usually do things this subtly, especially holding off on actually paying it off. But, or if they intended it to just always be a thing that would never pay off. It was just this. You think they would have had different women. You think they would have had different women picking him up. Right. Periodically a different woman and a character would comment like, He's always got these hot ladies picking him up in sports cars or whatever. Right. But instead, they specifically reference that one woman. It's the same woman. But they don't do know they, her. Have they kissed? Has anything like that happened? Or I'm it... pretty sure that he kisses her when she picks him up at the end of that of the pilot. Right. I'm Is pretty it like sure. On, on the lips or on the cheek or what? I can't remember. It could have been on the cheek. And so it could have been something where they eventually revealed his sister or something like that. And everyone right. just assumed it was a romantic thing. Right. They definitely haven't been shown being like super affectionate. But the, it has been established that other characters can see her. Yeah. So it's <laughs> not like... <laughs> She's not Tyler Durden. I, yeah, it's very weird. But yeah, season two, she hasn't shown up in a while. Okay. Maybe not even in season two. So I, I want that, uh, if you're listening to this and you know about this, uh, tweet at I am strangely 
uh, about this because that that was my biggest uh, that is the thing that has plagued my nights since watching <laughs> the pilot of NCIS not knowing who this woman is who is this woman yeah and does she ever does is there ever a plot payoff yeah that? and I would like to know if it if we ever get a payoff if there is a payoff don't tell me what it is because yeah. I haven't given up on NCIS yet it's starting to get a little rough in season two though um, oh, also point of interest in reference to Gibbs. Gibbs is a former Marine. Right. Although I'm sure he would be like, you're a Marine for life or whatever. And a friend of mine, I, I can't remember now who it was. I, I apologize. But had pointed out to me, oh, I listened to your episode about NCIS. And I was like, oh, no, they keep referring to Gibbs as being in the Navy. But he's not. He's a Marine. It's different. Anyone in the Marines would get mad at you for saying that. And right. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know that. But then I was like, okay. Maybe there's a thing when you're a Marine that you're like, it's different. But it's similar enough that the Naval Crime Investigative Services investigates the deaths of Marines on the show all the time. So, obviously, the Marines are part of the Navy. can deal with it. It's they're, related. They're, they do... They do... They muck about in boats, folks. Yeah. They muck about in boats. Well, so does the Coast Guard, but I accept that the Coast Guard is different. They don't, they don't investigate Coast Guard stuff on this show, but they investigate Marines all the time. So right. obviously Marines are related. They're well, part of the Navy. I guess, I guess the Coast Guard does muck about in boats, but I, I guess the Coast Guard doesn't really muck about in boats with guns. <laughs> the Marines hmm. and the Navy both okay. muck about in boats with guns. Okay. And they're both investigated by NCIS. That is the point of interest here. So it is Naval Crime Investigative Services? Yeah. Thank you. Not superstars, as that we guessed also, on the podcast. Yes, that also answers that question for me. Yeah. I, I might be slightly misremembering the, the, the wording, but it's, uh, you know, they're Navy cops. Navy cops. Yeah. Um, I would probably still be watching the show if it was called Navy cops. <laughs> that would sound more like, less like Navy CSI and more like an action movie. Yeah. Navy cops. But anyway. Starring the rock, Navy cops. Um, God, I'm looking at my notes and I'm like... About Todd, basically, they just kind of ruin her character. She just she never goes anywhere. She just never goes anywhere. She, she or she goes off in a weird direction. She's shown in the pilot. She's a very capable person. Yeah. She's on the president's personal detail, which has to count for something in terms of being capable. Right. Um. And then she gets taken into C- NCIS, and the first few episodes, the first maybe half of the first season, she's sort of you can tell she's feeling out this new situation where she's. She's still very capable, but she's now the new person. And she's learning the ways of NCIS and of being on Gibbs' team in particular. But, yeah, by halfway through season one, she's just diminished to she's the woman on the team. And she's disgusted by Tony Dinozo's Tony Dinozo. He's Italian. He mm-hmm. references it a lot. Um, and, yeah, she just she's disgusted by Tony's behavior. He's, you know... He's, he's the gross guy. And she goes, oh, Tony. You know, that's like her whole freaking character. It's very weird. She she loses anything interesting. Also, I made a lot in the in our podcast about how in the pilot, they seem to be building a sort of will they, won't they thing between Todd and Gibbs. Right. Totally thrown away on the show. Which, on one hand, is kind of good because he's her boss. Uh-huh. And that would have been gross. But I wouldn't have put it past a TV show to have a will they, won't they thing between them. Right. Between a boss and his subordinate, right? Right. So it's good that they threw it away, but it's also like that. I didn't like it, but I, I don't know. Somehow her her and Dinozo just sparring like kids who want to get their dad's attention is somehow worse. 
The only interesting thing um, is, you know, the thing where she's def- defending herself, having a relationship with Tim Carey, uh-huh. with one of her coworkers. She's like, I mean, when you're on the job 24 7, where are you supposed to meet somebody? Right. And Gibbs right. goes, church. church. And she goes, oh, fair enough. And you would have expected her to be more like, don't be ridiculous or whatever. Treat it like a joke. Instead, she's like, oh, okay. That actually pays off because it's established that she's Catholic and actually somewhat observant. Obviously not in the not, no sex before marriage part of being Catholic, mm-hmm. but she actually like, she identifies definitely culturally as being Catholic and she goes to church in an episode. Um, and occasionally when they interact with members of the clergy, she's like, have a little respect, kind of that attitude. Oh. So that's actually becomes part of her character that she's Catholic. That's one of the only interesting parts of her character, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, before I move on again to another thing, do you any other questions that you've nope. thought of? Carry on. Oh, I was hoping you would have more questions. It wasn't just me talking the whole time. Um, oh, is this counting down? Shoot. Counting down, yeah. <laughs> the first time I looked at it, I was like, oh, good, I have plenty of time left. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, God. Um, NCIS is an organization. The underdog thing does continue. Uh-huh. There's less of the jurisdictional pissing contest stuff, but they still are kind of presented as the underdog. Um, mm-hmm. People don't really respect them always. Um, and they do end up working with the FBI guy from the pilot a couple oh, of times. Really? Fresnel, I think is the character's name. Uh-huh. He comes back a few times and gets better. And one of the things we said in our episode that we kind of would like to see happen is yeah. him to finally go, NCIS is not so bad. They're all right. right. He actually comes to them for help in an episode mm-hmm. when he's in trouble. He comes to give and actually says to Gibbs, it's adorable. He goes, I realize what I'm about to say sounds extremely depressing or something like that, but... You're one of the only friends I have. He says this to Gibbs. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of great, though. You kind of warm up to him in right, that episode. Right. He's kind of great. Oh, also Gerald. I refer to Gerald as a Is... random uh, um, extra uh-huh. in the episode. He's Ducky's assistant. Oh, the, the, the... The guy who says, oh, yeah, I called Abby. Sounded like she, she was, was at a fat party. It was bad delivery. So he's an actual character. He's a regular for all of season one, and he's great. Oh my god! He never gets much of a backstory. He never gets much of a character. But he's there. But he's there in every episode. His interactions with Ducky are adorable. I was like, I was really pushing for more Gerald. I wanted more Gerald. And then they write him off at the end of season one and replace him with Ducky's new assistant in season two is this like, you know, super smart top of his class at Harvard or something like that kind of kid who doesn't know, you know, who has no experience actually being a medical examiner. Mm-hmm. So he's constantly like trying to learn from Ducky and making rookie mistakes. And like, he's fine. I, I don't hate him. Nothing against the actor. It's just an intensely boring character compared to Gerald who like just seemed like he could have cool stuff if they let him. And instead they replace him with this young white kid who's like, Oh, yes, Mr. Dr. Mallard. Please teach me, Dr. Mallard. I have round glasses and I have a crush on Abby. It's too, super cliche. Um, oh. But the other new character they introduce is McGee. McGee's great. I love McGee. He comes in at the end of season one as a one-off character. Uh-huh. And I don't know if they always intended him to come around or if the audience loved him. So they were like, mm, let's bring this guy back. Because yeah. he just keeps, he's from Virginia. They uh-huh. run into him when they're in Virginia. And then they keep finding excuses to, to bring him to, to D.C. No, they keep bringing excuses to bring oh. him to D.C. Because he is, he's an NCIS agent, but he also knows about computers. So wait, wait, wait. So there's more NCIS agents than just the five yes. of them. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Excellent. Good All over the know. country, and also more. We meet a couple other ones even in their office in D.C. Okay, okay. Um, Go on. But no, nobody regular. But yeah, he then is brought on as a regular field agent in season two. And he's actually got a great character. Like, he's not cliche. He's... He and Abby uh, end up having a little bit of a thing, which is great because he's super nerdy looking. Mm-hmm. He looks like an awkward, doughy-faced, like, you know, plays Dungeons and Dragons in his mom's basement kind of guy. Although I think he's really cute. Uh-huh. Um, Abby totally is into him. That's one of the things I love about Abby's character is that she, there's an episode where they need to, like, talk to someone at NASA for some reason. And Gibbs goes, hey, you still in touch with that boyfriend at NASA? And she goes, he was less of a boyfriend and more of a boy toy. And Gibbs is like, I roll. Well, just call him. And then we see the guy, and he totally looks like someone who works at NASA. And not in a Bobak Ferdowski mohawk guy way uh-huh. not in a like surprisingly hot nasa guy he's just he's got a beard and he's kind of doughy mm-hmm. and she's like hey and he's like hey abby and i'm like i love this abby has super unexpected taste in in dudes and it's great um oh god we're almost done this. um uh cliffs and ships um the, yeah the season one uh finale uh-huh. it's a resolution with a villain that they introduced four or five episodes earlier so, and nothing who is we- that villain um, oh, it's kind of complicated, actually, which it was interesting. <laughs> right. He's um he's a terrorist question uh-huh. mark who comes into he he sneaks into the 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 place and like holds Ducky hostage and it's really? kind of like an intense episode. Right. He gets away and Gibbs becomes oh, and obsessed with, with getting him, him. Yep. and then he sort of catches him and sort of doesn't. It's so it's an interesting resolution. I don't have time cool. to explain no, because we no, have no. two minutes left. We have two minutes. Um. Uh, uh, oh, I wanted Denozo and Abby to have a sibling type relationship with, I said Abby as with everyone else but him, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, she and Gibbs have an adorable relationship. He, he is really hard on everyone but Abby. He's like her, the kid sister to him. It's great. Um, oh, you described Denozo as having obviously failed upwards, and that is an extremely apt description of his character in the show. Like, yes. it's more so than you could have realized. Um, oh, three things that we would have included in um, in uh, um, addendums and corrections if we had thought of that uh-huh, thing uh-huh. in the first uh, uh, in that episode. The guy who played the adorably southern local coroner, who's like, uh-huh. "You can't take yep. the body away." I was recognizing him from playing Fred's dad on Angel. I'm sure he's been in a bunch of other things, but that's where I knew yes. him from. Um, Gibbs unfortunately does not develop a weird character trait where he needs to pee on things to establish dominance. Sadly, Shit. I'm I'm sorry that never happens after the first episode. Oh, also, Bush did have a dog named Spot, huh. which is, I mean, it's par for the course for, for Bush, really. Yeah. He named his dog Spot. I didn't remember that as being a thing, but they had other dogs, too, and Spot died in, like, 2004, so maybe that's why I so forgot. It's very, like, I of just, the time. I can't believe I didn't remember that Bush had a dog named Spot, for Christ's sakes. Spot, yeah. Spot that's... Fetcher, which was apparently Spot a reference. Fetcher. Which is supposed to, supposedly, it was a reference to a ball player named Scott Fletcher, who was on a team that Bush used to own. I didn't know he owned a that's ball team. That's anyway, kind of cute. That's kind of cute, but also it sounds like a retcon for, people are making fun of me for naming a Doug Spot. I have to come up with, no, it was a cute, it was a thing, I was a reference. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I didn't just name my Doug Spot. Why would anyone do that? Ha ha ha. Only children do that. <coughs> Excuse me, pretzel. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, five oh. seconds left. Uh, oh. I think that's that's it. That's all that's my it? notes. You that's got it? it. I did it. Congratulations, Yay. Sarah. Woo! <laughs> this is a very like good. This could have yeah. been the music over the the credits in NCIS. Science is happening. <laughs> We're doing things with computers and stuff. We're investigating. Oh, there's one thing I forgot to mention. Can I have one little hail mary? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Go for okay. it. 
the the best hacking scene ever. Oh, oh, no, wait. Okay, so uh, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Because, Sarah Shea, uh, I didn't warn you about this, but it's time for the lightning round. Oh. Where you have one to two sentences to answer five burning questions that I have oh. that you did not answer during our regular chat. Oh, I'm so excited. All right. Stretch, you did mm. not tell me about this. This is great. So, okay. Uh, number one. How often do people say permission to speak freely or with all due respect on this show? No permission to speak freely that I can remember. Maybe a handful of with all due respect, but not a lot. There's not a lot of of uh, of uh, sort of... Uh, Insubordination? There's not a lot of we're in the military kind of feel to this show. Weird. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, is just a freaking layabout. So. <laughs> He's not in the Navy. How his, many... his background is being like a cop. I'm sorry, I went over. No, sorry. it's fine, it's fine. Uh... uh were there any noticeable guest stars who stuck out like sore thumbs? It's like, like... <gasps> Charles Durning. Really? Charles Durning is on an episode. It's actually a very weird, but kind of good episode. Like, weirdly written, but like, interesting. Charles Durning. Great. Um, oh, also, like, four people from Lost are really? in the first season as guest stars. Two of them in the same episode. <laughs> Emily DeRaven and I think... Um, uh, Josh uh, Sawyer. Oh my gosh. They're in the same episode, I think. And then um, uh, Locke is in another episode as a main oh, character. Oh, uh, Terry O'Quinn. Sure. Yeah. Who was also uh, their boss on X-Files for a while. Yeah. Uh, do you believe the show at any point has jumped the shark yet in the first two seasons? Maybe not jump the shark specifically. Uh-huh. There's definitely a notable episode in season two that was like painfully obviously written by an, an off person. Uh-huh. Like it was not written by the regular writing team. Right. Because all of a sudden, whereas Todd and... Uh, once G- McGee comes in as uh-huh. the new guy, uh-huh. Todd and Dinozo actually like kind of bond over making fun of him and hazing him, which is... Weird. It's bad for Todd's character. There's randomly one episode where McGee and Dinozo are kind of banding together to make fun of Todd. It's totally out of character. And and McGee says some really sexist stuff, which uh-huh. his whole character thing is that he's an antidote to Dinozo. He's right. not sexist. He admits to reading like women's magazines because they have like good recipes and stuff. And it's like helps him understand what women are like right. by reading women's magazines. And he's totally comfortable with it. Anyway. Uh... Do, have you gotten to the infamous two idiots, one keyboard scene? Now, here's the thing. There have been two examples of this so far, but I don't think either of them is the famous one. Where, where someone has helped Abby type? Yeah. The first time it happens, I was confused because it almost comes off like a joke. Uh-huh. Abby is, um, oh, McGee is typing. Uh-huh. And, uh, he's, he's hacking. And she goes, mm, can't you do type any faster? And he's like, not unless I grow another hand. And she goes, here. She comes behind him, puts her arms around his shoulders. <laughs> and he kind of doesn't like, look like, ooh, I'm okay with this. But I can't tell if she's actually typing or it's more of a joke. Like, here, haha, I'm typing, but not really because right. this wouldn't work. And I was like, is this the famous scene? Because this plays off more like a cute right, moment right, between them. Right. Then there's another the moment scene. where they're okay. actually doing it for real. Uh-huh. But I'm not even sure if that's the famous one. Is so it, this, is, it may happen more is than... Is she like, we're being hacked? Yeah. Does it end with Gibbs unplugging oh, the computer? Oh, yeah, that's the one. So you've seen the scene. That's the <laughs> oh one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I envy you to have... Is it amazing in context or is it just like I described it? It's pretty much that, yeah. Okay. It's, it, and it, they, they spoiled it by kind of having her do that earlier in another But scene. it is interesting that it's established as a thing that they do. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Final, final question in the lightning round. Do we see the triumphant return of President Merkin? Sadly, no more President Merkin. You think that with all of the like 
they, yeah. everything that they did to set up President Merkin, he would be like maybe kind of a somewhat recurring character. I, I think um, what they did is they made the first episode pretty high stakes. Yeah. And they to grab people. Uh-huh. And also they had to introduce Todd and she was a Secret Service agent. Right. So it kind of had to involve the president in the first episode. But they never interact with the Secret Service again. Her former boss never comes back. Fresnel, the FBI guy, does come yeah. back. Their boss is barely even in the show. Huh. He, he shows up from time to time in the first season, but it's been a while. I'm in like, I, I want to say episode 17 or 18 of season two. Pretty far into season two right. and we haven't seen their boss in a long time. He never establishes a real character. Huh. I was kind of surprised. It's like they decided they couldn't, they didn't know what they wanted to do with him. So they just kind of went, eh, they don't need to interact with their boss. All right. Gibbs is their boss. <laughs> Gibbs runs NCIS. <laughs> All right. Parting thoughts, final shots. You're almost done with season two. Mm-hmm. Are you going to keep watching through season three? I, I honestly, I am at the point where I, I needed to take a break. The last two episodes I watched were both, they were just very badly written in a TV way. Uh-huh. Like there's that one where McGee acts out of character. Uh-huh. But also when the episode was done, you're like, that doesn't actually make sense. You know, in crime fighting shows, sometimes they're developing this really intricate plot and you're going, yeah. wow, how is this all going to come together? And then when it actually does, you go, oh, and then you go, wait, yeah. that doesn't actually work. Right. It's the, it's like the opposite of how in um, uh, The Sixth Sense, uh-huh. if you rewatch The Sixth Sense, it, it, all makes it does sense still all yeah. make sense. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, that was a cool reveal, but it doesn't actually work. Right. No, everything works. And it's like mind-blowing to watch it a second time. Right. It, this These episodes were like, that doesn't actually work. Also, huge pet peeve uh-huh. with procedurals, which is when uh-huh. the, the guest actor who's playing the person who ends up having done it plays too innocent for the first half of the episode. Oh, and, and then, then when they sudden, finally call them yeah. on it, you watch them transform. They go, well, that bitch always had it coming. Or something, and you're like, what? They they become a completely different person, and it's completely unbelievable. You watch them go, finally, I get to become the villain. You watch yeah. them, like, sink into it, like, here's no, my moment. Th- there's no layers to the performance no. leading up to that. They're just, they're innocent, and then they're guilty. It's just, they, they flip a switch. All and right. that has happened in the last two episodes, and I was like, but why would she have done that? No, this is way too intricate a plot for what they were trying to get across. So... I'm taking a little bit of a break. Uh-huh. I haven't officially given up, but I'm not sure. But maybe we'll do another one of these for season three and four. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this very special recap, catch-up, whatever we're going to end up calling mayonnaise, these episodes. Mustard. Mayonnaise. <laughs> Mayo, mustard, and This very special condiments episode of Pilot House. <laughs> if you enjoy Pilot House podcast, please like, share, subscribe. What are all the things? I don't even know what. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> Twinkle toes. Send us a dollar bill in the mail. I don't know. Uh, oh, we should get a buymeacoffee.com account. We so should. Buy us yeah. Coffees. We'll do that. Uh, so look out for that. Yeah. You, for now, you can find out all about our podcast at www.pilothousepodcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pilot House Pod. We're also on Facebook 
Facebook.com slash Pilot House Podcast. I think so. Just search yeah. Pilot House. You'll find yeah. us in a band. We're us in a band. Yeah. We should team up with the band. For yeah. Like we a, should a ha- ask them to write a, a theme song for us. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for this week. Oh, and also, if you liked the premise of this episode, Strangely has almost finished season Watching one of... season one of Moonlighting. And I am intensely eager to hear what happens, but without wanting to actually watch another episode. So yeah. let us know if you like this and maybe we'll do some more catch-ups. All right. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Why do we like that? I don't know.